Welcome to Sexual Craftsmanship, the podcast that teaches you how to develop sexual confidence and become a better lover using a system of practice suited for dating and sex in today's world. No experience necessary. And now, here's your host, certified sex coach, sociologist, and mega nerd, Sarah Martin. Hello and welcome to the Sexual Craftsmanship Podcast. And guys, I have got something awesome to share with you today because I'm actually joined by a special guest and I couldn't be more excited to introduce you to Dave Buddha. Dave is a writer, a musician, and a social entrepreneur. He's actually, he's the co-founder of Intimacy Fest and has led over 250 workshops in the San Diego, California area on connection, touch, and relationships. He's also published over 200 essays for Buddhism.com and has been published in countless major online publications. As a singer-songwriter, he's also played over a thousand shows and not so discreetly moonlights as his alter ego, <laughs> Buddhananda, a spiritually satirical kirtan singer who travels the world performing high-vibration music for enlightened audiences. Is there anything you'd like to add to that, Dave? No, that's great. I, I recently rewrote that bio, so I was like, oh, that's nice. I, did a, <laughs> I like how that sounds. I tell you what, it was, I was smiling the entire time I was reading it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it makes me sound old. There's a lot of things in there. Wow, he's done a lot of that stuff. I don't know, maybe whatever. The thing is, like, consistency over time really adds up. It does. It certainly <laughs> does. I, I would love to let my listeners know. I learned about Dave's writing way back in 2017 when I was a, I don't know, a budding sociological researcher. It's when I was starting my master's degree. And I think all my friends got a little bit sick of me at that point because I was bordering on obsession with pickup artists at the time because that's what I was researching. And I was considering including a book in my study called The Way of the Superior Man by a person named David Data in my research. And it, it's not really a traditional pickup artist handbook, but I saw a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine, my dear friend Lucy, sent me an article that you'd written about David Data. Mm -hmm. And she said something like, Dave used to be into pickup and he's saying some of the same things you're saying. So maybe you should contact him. And I don't know. Do you remember this? Because I did. We yeah, emailed absolutely. each other back and forth. No, yeah. I remember. And, and I think your interest in that work is incredibly important. I was really happy that I, I think it's example that probably comes up a lot today is, hey, if you're a liberal person you should probably go check out what conservative people are saying and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Like we don't yeah. like that is knowing a little bit about you and your work. I would classify it and how I relate to that stuff is in the world of sex education, feminism stuff. And that's a world that I love and have spent a lot of time in. I hope that's mm -hmm. accurate somewhat. And, uh, and those worlds tend to be at odds. They tend to be polar opposites in a lot of ways. And so for you, as someone who is probably well-versed in gender studies and affirmative consent and a lot of really important things, to then go over and look at, okay, what is going on out in this like neo-tantra pickup artist world? And also just seeing the similarities between David Data and the pickup artist world is also, I think, 
very wise and something people don't get a lot of. So for you to mm. go over and want to actually spend time with that, not just so you can write some article saying how it's shit, but to actually go and research it, I think is incredibly important. I'm, so I was, I was really happy to see that you were interested in that. Thanks. And do you know why I did it? Oh, I imagine it's, there's also a fascination with it, which is how I got into that stuff too. Because I mm. somebody gave me the book, The Game, and I was just like, it felt like I was, I got to be a social scientist, but then also look at my own like habits and explore my own sexuality. It was in my early, late twenties. I was still, yeah, I imagine just cause you were curious, but why so, did you get into it? It's because, so in my work, just like with this podcast, I'm a sex coach and I work with men in particular, men in STEM, nerdy guys, geeky guys. Oh, yeah. 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 I saw that. And essentially every single person I've ever coached had brought up pickup artists at one point or another where either they'd read them, been influenced by them, in some cases had gone to boot camps. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I'm going to keep doing this work, I have got to know more about this because I had a pretty initial gut reaction. Ugh, gross. Yeah. And yeah. then the thing is, like, so many people telling me, like, the game is the gateway drug. Like, this book changed my life. So, yeah, yeah that's what sparked it up. And you mentioned just now about your explorations. And this is part of why I invited you on the podcast, because I think there's a common thread that runs through a lot of your work, not all of it. But it's this journey that you've been on, which for me has always been a bit of a mirror for the journey that men go on more broadly to figure out how to form relationships and how to have sex and how to experience sex. Mm -hmm. And I think this is important because a lot of men want to ask for help and there is a lot of help available, but some of that help is shit. <laughs> Not yeah. all help is created equal. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really valid topic to discuss because this is something I've seen men grapple with throughout their lives. Today, I'd love to, if you're up for it, to have a conversation about some of the things to be aware of when you're looking for help and support around sex and relationships. And mm -hmm. my hope is that for my listeners, guys, that by listening today, you're going to be able to strengthen your bullshit detector and feel confident about discerning good advice from garbage. <laughs> Does that sound like fun, Dave? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, I really do agree with what you're saying. And I guess I just want to emphasize again, I think that it's, there's a uniqueness or a novelty to you talking and approaching this topic. I don't think a lot of people do. I'm, and yeah, you're right. This is, yeah. And I love talking about this stuff because I've been to pickup artist boot camps and I've done that stuff. And I had my own awakening thanks to, in part, that community. And sometimes I've even embarrassed to say that in certain circles, but hey, like I actually, I got a lot out of that experience. And of course, having moved off from that community, I, I realized, great. And there's also a lot of things that I would leave behind. And then thinking a lot about how can we do this better, but not throwing the baby out with the bathwater and that kind of thing. So yeah, totally with you. Yeah. And was the game was your first introduction to PUA then? Yeah. It was. And that was about 2008, I think, or nine around okay. then. I had a book. Actually, I'll tell you how I got into it. And I've got stories to tell, boy. Tell my friend, story. my friend, Matt, who I knew, I was just, I met him at a 
cafe. He was an entrepreneur. I was playing a gig there, I think. And we were, we became friends. And then I was telling him one day about how one of the things that was going on in my world was like, I was trying to like, I was working with this manager at the time who was really trying to get me to understand like how to sell sex more in my music, essentially, because that's been the main thing I've been up to in my life is a music career and and working Mm. on that. And uh, I was probably 26 at the time, and I had grown up suburbs of Boston, very kind of Catholic world, expressing Mm. sexuality and, and do all that was just not part of my life. And he would point out guys like Prince and George Michael, and he'd say, look at what these guys are doing. This is, and he, he saw a little of that in me. I don't know. I think when we met, I was wearing like a leather jacket and I hadn't shaved in a few days and I was just <laughs> looking really cool or something. And nice. I played a few songs that were sexy, but I had no idea. It was like, I had no idea what I was doing. And he saw that and he was trying to, he was, Hey, do, do you get this? And then he would say, I would say, all right, I wrote this song. I think it's what you're wanting. And it's, it was just like, not I just didn't get it. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just like, it was pitiful. And and so I was talking to Matt about this and he's, you should check out this book, The Game. I just read it. I think it's fascinating. He wasn't like a convert or anything. He just thought it was interesting. He knew we were both interested in that kind of stuff. And, and I read it. And even before I was finishing it, I was Googling the people in it and just being fascinated with this world because I couldn't explain why why this was the case. Either this was either this book was fiction or I needed to learn something basically. Mm. And so I decided, all right, what's well, probably not fiction. There's probably some truth here that this stuff is quote unquote working for these guys because it had gone against everything I grew up thinking about sex and relationships and women and understanding women. And so I actually signed up for a boot camp with one of the companies, Real Social Dynamics is the name of the company. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Did you get to meet <clears throat> Tyler Durden and Papa? No. I have oh. since not met Papa, but I stayed at his house one night. Um, cool. Dave's name's Nick. He, I think he seems like yeah. a decent guy, whatever. And But I, I met a couple other coaches and they were, they were nice guys, honestly. Like it was me and this other Canadian guy at this boot camp. And then those three coaches and, and they were good people like, and so it was interesting. And I had this, I guess I'll just tell you the story because it's totally relevant and interesting. I think it was, so we, I went up to LA, it was 2009. I, I told myself before I go up there, cause I knew that part of me was going up as a researcher, but also part of me was going to get something. And I said, I'm not gonna, I can't do this from the sidelines. Like I have to go and be a part of this and and I know that for myself, if I'm, not, if I'm not willing to become uncomfortable and feel some shame and all that, I'm not going to grow and learn at all. So I'm going to go up there. And, and I remember even driving up to LA, I was like, still, I was, I was, it was at night. I was looking at the city and I told myself, I was like, this is not a weekend. You look good. That's not what this is about. <laughs> just, just, you don't know anybody here. Like you're not going to, all these women you're going to approach this weekend or whatever, like that you don't know them, just tr- just go with it and try things and be embarrassed and that's okay. Mm-hmm. I told myself that. And so I met up with these guys. It was at, I think it was at the Roosevelt Hotel, which is this like really beautiful hotel lobby. And that's what they said to me. So I parked, went in. I remember like the anxiety and the, I don't know if it was fear or just sense of embarrassment. It was just so weird going in there and meeting these guys who were going to help me with 
what is essentially the most fundamental aspect of being a man, which is mm. for straight men is attracting women. And there's something, and this is again why I always I, I tend to go to bat for the guys in that community, not for the philosophy of the community, but for the actual people in the community. For the most yeah. part, are brave people because this is a fucking hard thing to do is to to come out and say I, I need help with this, and then to approach other men and say I need help with this. It's incredibly vulnerable. So mm. probably the, the hardest thing I've done in that asking for help was that, and then approaching these guys and saying, hi, oh, I'm Dave. And they're like, oh, hi, I'm Todd and blah, blah, blah. And I went up there and you know, I, they instantly made me feel at ease. I was like, okay, great, blah, blah, blah. Went out the first night. They were like, okay, it's all about approaching and great. We're going to approach a lot of women. I was like, cool. Now I was already a pretty gregarious outgoing person. Mm -hmm. And so I did all that. <clears throat> there was another guy from... He was a Canadian guy, much more shy than me. He was struggling with that. And so they were on the whole, they were working with him and they were like, Hey, all right, go out and approach lots of women. I was like, great. All right. And again, I had already told myself, I'm just going to do whatever. So I went out and I would approach women. I felt like this is easy. I went to bed that night thinking I could teach this. I don't know what the big deal is, like what's going on with this. Mm -hmm. So the second night we went out, actually, we went out to Redonda beach that night, the second night. It was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So this is a Friday night. And I remember we were at this cowboy country Western bar or something. And they, they said, all right, tonight's about escalating. And I didn't really know a lot. I had, I had read the book, but I wasn't like a lot of these guys that go to these boot camps have been in the community for a while. They know a lot of the lingo. I didn't really know much of what they were talking about at that point. Okay. Escalating. I was like, okay, sure. Just so approach people and chat them up more. Okay. Got it. I went and did that and a couple of times and then. I kind of got frustrated. I was like, "Ugh, like this, there's, I'm either something's going, something's not right here. I'm not uncomfortable at all. And this other guy seems like he's sweating bullets here. So I went up to the, one of the coaches and, and I said, Hey man, uh, listen, I, I am not at all. I'm not uncomfortable. And I think that I, I feel like there's a comfort zone here that I need to be pushing to get something. And I said to this, as I said, to this next part as a joke to him, I said, what do you want me to do? Just walk up to some woman and ask her to make out with me. And he goes, uh, yeah, that's a good idea. Do that. And I said that as like the most absurd thing I could think of. I thought that would be like, that That would just be completely absurd. No one would ever do mm -hmm. that. It would just, and I was like, and then that moment happened. I was like, and then that voice in the head is like, you said you would do whatever. Don't. I was like, okay, all right. Uh, and I just turned around and I walked, there was like two women standing over by some fire exit. And because to remember this and I walked over to them and I was like, all right, I'm going to ask them if they want to make out with me or something. I don't know mm -hmm. how I negotiated that. Like there was two of them. I don't, I went, none, none of that had gone through my head at this point. <laughs> and I walked over and they saw me and then I stood in front of them and I just, I opened my mouth and I just froze. Like nothing came out. <laughs> I just sat there oh. at them and they were just going to look at me and they were just like, huh. And I, I just couldn't say anything. Like nothing could come out of my mouth. And then I just turned around and walked back to the guys and started laughing. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I can't express myself sexually. Like, I can't flirt. I can't do any of that. I can talk to people, but as soon as it as soon as I have to become a sexual being, I, I, have, I have nothing. I'm completely uncomfortable with that. And it was yeah. like I just really, this whole house of cards, I think I was like 26, 27 at the time. 
and my whole life just made sense. It was like, holy shit. Oh yeah, I grew up Catholic. Oh, my parents aren't very sexual. Never had any sex ed. I never saw them being sexual. I never, like all this other shit. It was like, wow. Like I always thought women didn't like sex. My mom told me this and that. And I was like, holy shit. And I really just, I had a real legit like breakthrough understanding in that moment. And everything from that moment was different. <laughs> like not some bullshit. Oh, I changed my life this weekend thing. No, like from that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to learn how to integrate authentic sexual person. I have to like bring that out and figure out how to calibrate it. And yeah. the rest of that weekend was just so much fun. I would just go up to walk up to women. And say, I re you're really sexy. Hi, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, sometimes we were like making out on a dance floor. And these were like women I just couldn't imagine myself talking to. They were gorgeous. And and again, not that I was successful with any everyone I approached, but it was just like, holy shit, like I'm not getting rejected by just telling them I, I'm attracted to them and like just being a authentic sexual self. Again, some people I was scaring off, but it wasn't like they were slapping me in the face. I was just trying to be myself and so that we can completely change my life. Like I said, I I don't there's a lot of things about the pickup artist community. I'm not doing an overall sell and go to these boot camps, but at the same time, I was like, wow. That's essentially what I went through. And 10 years later, I've figured out how to integrate that in a way that I think I figured it out sooner than that. But it was like, I really felt like, wow, this is this is what I needed. I needed to get over that somehow. Could have done it in lots of different communities, but that was a really important weekend for me in that way. Thank you so much for sharing that sure. story. Like I was on the edge of my seat throughout oh, okay. that. And and at the same time, also nodding along because I think what you said is is part of the, the fundamental journey is there is usually this moment of revelation of you don't know what you don't know until it's a really like clunky way to say that. But, and, and yeah, I've got so many different thoughts running through my mind because I've just I've got tons of questions. And at the same time, I want to allow time because there's been a lot more to your journey than just this. This is the beginning, really. That was the beginning. And, and actually, some one of the coaches at that weekend said, hey, I think you based on what's because I was pretty nerdy about the stuff. I was like trying to break down attraction and I was like, oh, I was asking all these questions. So you should check out this book called The Way of the Superior Man. <laughs> like you dig it. Oh, and, okay. And, all right. and, and I read it. I ordered it. I literally just pulled up my phone and ordered it right there. I was like, great. And, and, and I read it. And then I joined that community for five years. And of course, then, and that, but that whole thing led me to the Tantra world because David Data is kind of this young Tantra version. And then that Tantra world led me into the polyamorous world, which is very linked here in San Diego due to a few of the people that run those communities into both. And, uh, and yeah, and then that led me to the sex educator world. I met Reed Mahalko through that and he introduced me oh, to all, <clears throat> no, so him and I would say are like very close friends at this point. And he's become a huge role model for me and I've catapulted my learning thanks to him and being around him and getting to know him. Yeah, it all just one thing led to another. And then that's how I ended up in the feminism sex educator world. And so it's it has been a it's been a long, interesting, windy road. I want to explore more of the twists and turns on that road. And I guess before we leave the world of the pickup artists, was what was the thing that 
that made you decide, okay, I, I think I'm leaving this community? Was it reading David Data's book and going, oh, I'd rather do this instead? Or was it something else? Did something not jive? Well, I don't, I wouldn't say that I, so I was really, I got really into the pickup stuff for about six months to a year after that okay. boot camp. I came home and I was like, grabbing friends. I was like, Hey, we have to go out and do this stuff, practice this stuff. This is fun. And, and I found other guys in that community and we would do that. And it was good. It's like a rejection therapy stuff. You just, and, and I also want to say too, as an aside, some of those things can be harassy toward women. Yeah. I'm not saying that what I was doing was completely wonderful on all fronts. We were going to like clubs where women are getting hit on all the time and walking up to them and saying ridiculous things, whatever. But Again, good to know that. And what I ended up doing actually was I started I started a men's group in 2010 or 11 or so. I met another guy in the pickup world and and he said he was like, "Hey, I've been thinking about starting this group." And actually it was the guys from Real Social Dynamics. They were trying to start like essentially like a fraternity in every city, something like that. Okay. And they and this guy knew them. So he, they pointed, they picked him and they're like, Hey, do you want to just start this like little group in, in San Diego? And then he heard of me. Cause at that point too, I was actually like, uh, I was posting, I was like being a part of the San Diego community and like taking people out and even flirting with the idea of being a dating coach and stuff like that. And, and so he like reached out to me and we talked and I said, Hey, uh, you know what actually, and I was in a men's group at the time I was already like doing men's work. So like the sitting in circles, talking about your feelings, like that kind of deeper, more emotional stuff. And I really appreciated that. And so when we met, he was like, Hey, I, I got approached by this group who wants to do this thing. What do you think? And I said, I, I don't know, like that sounds all right, but what if we did like this hybrid men's group pickup group? What if mm -hmm. we took these guys who are fucking awesome for the most part, there's a few bad apples, but for the most part, like really courageous guys, really wanting not only wanting to understand women more, but actually wanting brotherhood, wanting a group of guys yeah. that care about them. What if we did that and sat in a men's circle a couple of times a month or every week? And then also we like, we're like a social club. So like we like went out and did through parties and did stuff like that. And he's like, that sounds great. So I was like, great. So we started this group. It was, it was called the mission and people thought it was a Christian group because of the mission, but it wasn't. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, it was called the mission. And at some point we have like 50 guys in it. We would do like weekly men's circles, sit around. And I basically facilitated all that. So I just, I became like the de facto leader of that group. And then oh, this wow. other guy, Tom was like helping me out and he had this big house and PB we'd just meet at there. And then I'd lead guys through all these exercises and things are like facilitated these groups and discussions and it was really sweet like we we i put together a retreat for them like we did all sorts of cool stuff I had a rotating leadership body and but that was all in the pickup artist community in some sense even though it wasn't so i always felt like what the path i wanted to take at that point was like i recognized pretty quickly like a year in six months in that there was definitely this wasn't my home. The pickup artist community had enough problems with it. And it just wasn't, when you looked at the leaders of those communities, you can really see the, I don't know, the mental health issues that come with mm. somebody who's really good at that. Like that, I didn't aspire to be like any of them. And I also had met a handful of them at this point. And it just, I didn't want to be in their life, especially their love life. And so yeah. I thought, all right, like 
I'm not going to be hanging out in this community too much. I think I can steer it in a different direction. So that was this group. And in a lot of ways, yeah, I'm still in touch with some people in there who might consider themselves part of the pickup community. So I never tried to like officially leave. And I guess I suppose I officially left the David Data community back in 2015. That was a little more of a choice. But the pickup world at this point, as you probably have seen, it's just there's people everywhere and there's people who used to be in it and are still influenced by it and all sorts of things. So I, I left the striving to be better at it. And I, but I continued the relationships and I continued getting to know the people and organizing the people for a while, probably for another five or six years. And although I don't, yeah, I don't, I I wouldn't say I'm in touch with much of that anymore. It was like a real slow transition out because I actually did feel like there was a lot here that could be saved and mostly just the people and the willingness to actually change. That was the pickup artist community for all its faults is incredibly transformative. Like people change people like it's serious in that way. Cause when you have people out doing the kind of things and overcoming fears, the way that people are in a lot of those things, especially these boot camps and live in person stuff, it can mm-hmm. be really transformational. So I wanted to keep that part of it. Yeah. I tend to agree with what you've said about both the courage that a lot of folks show who are involved in pickup and on several different levels. And also that it's good people who are on the inside. And this willingness to change is another thing that's quite enjoyable about interacting with people who are inside of the community. Yeah. So that's the short, long answer to the, when did I leave thing? In, in a lot of ways, I, I haven't left. I've, I wrote, I think a piece that I probably sent you when we talked about the pickup thing is in defense of pickup artists. Yeah. And I feel in a lot of ways that I try to speak to that topic because I I I understand it. And I also completely understand the perspective from people who are critical of it. I, I think it's it, to understand men, you need to understand why pickup is the way it is. I actually just, I'm writing a piece now uh, called Why Straight Men Give Up. And mm. it's just essentially, I want people to understand, not because I want to make this oppression Olympics thing and try to say, well, well, women, you think you have it bad. Look at us. I don't know. It's If anything, we all need to understand that there's a solidarity in the suffering that has been created by the system, which is fucking up everybody. So I would love us to come together because we all are suffering because in the same system, we don't see it that way. We see it as it's, we blame each other. I think it's, it's valuable for people to understand what men are going through so that we can actually like we can move on or we can try something else. But if we don't start from an acceptance or an understanding of what's going on, like we can't get anywhere. You can't leave a place you've never been. And so no people aren't willing to see where we're at, see what it's like to be a man growing up and just, just start with that. Okay. Got it. That's boy, that's rough. It's not easy. It's not fucking easy being a woman either, but <laughs> if we're talking about men, let's look at that and let's look at the challenges. Yeah. And that's, Honestly, my my ultimate biggest bugbear with pickup and with a lot of folks who are operating this space peripherally, David Data being one of them, is that like it <laughs> the logic of the system there doesn't challenge the the system that's fucking everyone up. It's 
part and parcel of it. And my research, just in brief, is I analyzed four pickup artist handbooks looking at economic metaphor and trying to tease out an internal structure from the books using metaphor, because there's a line of thinking that goes that metaphor is what structures human understanding. Mm. So you look at somebody's metaphors and you get an idea for how they view the world and how they're likely to act in certain situations. And so it won't surprise you that there's tons of economic and market metaphor spread throughout pickup artist literature. And war metaphors too. There's like the the conquest, the winning, the all, like it's very typical manship. It is, but like scientific warrior man or something. There's some of that, but there's also, there's tons of weird metaphor shit that pickup artists use. I don't know. There's lots of men as insect metaphor which is weird. And I was focusing on specifically the economic metaphor, but I also categorized other metaphor because what else are you going to do when you're spending five minutes per page close reading Neil Strauss? Uh, And also like men as computers. It's essentially, pickup is essentially bad sales. In part, it's bad sales, but there's, I would love to to gab about this more, but for brevity on the episode, what I was coming to is that what really struck me is most people recognize that there's some objectification and dehumanization of women in pickup artists speak. Like, duh, everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, the other side of the coin is that it equally dehumanizes and objectifies men at the same time. Mm, And that's so unfair. Yeah. And that's what pisses me off about a lot of gender determinism or evolutionary psychology or in the tantra space this talking about masculine and feminine as such deterministic things yeah and that prescriptive nature right can you give examples yeah. of how it, it dehumanizes men because i i you're totally right and i haven't actually never thought about it that way i'd like curious about some examples I imagine in a lot of ways, it's, have you seen that uh, movie with Alec Baldwin, what he's the, the Glenn Garrigan, Glenn Ross or something? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's there, like that, especially like the sales guy who has like coffees for closers and he's, no, you don't, it's in a lot of ways, like men feel like an employee in that floor. Like that's okay, what okay. they are. And your value is determined by this and that and kind of thing, maybe. So an example of how pickup dehumanizes men is that it, it posits a system that dating sex is a marketplace and in that marketplace a man is a commodity that starts with no inherent value and gains value through Mm. things like acquiring skills or a sense of style or charisma or lifting weights and getting muscular and that as a commodity a man also produces another commodity which is called attention and that's built of time money and emotions And men sell attention to women. Women buy attention from men and they pay using sex. And women as commodities start out with an inherent value that degrades over time. And it's made up of things like beauty, breast size, hair color, a lot of very physically directed traits. Mm -hmm. But the idea that a man comes and doesn't start with an inherent value, first of all, I felt like really like heavy and sad reading that and this whole you must be producing these things in this way and also this idea that you have to use these manipulations in order to receive love or to receive desire that that 
being as you are and sharing your desires as they are, yeah. the idea that might not be enough, that no, you have to do it in this way. And even if it feels weird or it feels gross, men evolve this way and women evolve that way. So it's nature. Fuck all you can do. Seriously. Yeah. No. <laughs> totally. <laughs> There's no, better ways to go about this. I think the point about men not starting with any marketplace value with this stuff, gosh, that, and you're absolutely right. What, how, how do we like not go insane or live a, a fucked up life with that premise? It's, it's impossible. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. But both of them are gross, right? Like the oh, idea sure. of man as for commodity sure. and woman as commodity, because the thing is we're not commodities, we're human beings. Right. And but anyway, yeah, because it occurs to me at this point, we've both mentioned David Data several times. And I'm wondering, especially because you know him and his community in far more depth than I do, could you tell us who is David Data? And why did you write that essay about him? That is how I found you in the first place. So the original, more salacious title to that essay was going to be David Data is an enlightened pickup artist. Because I wanted to draw the parallels between David Data and the pickup artist world. I didn't end up going that route. I, I honestly spent about three years writing that piece. It's long. Oh, wow. And I started writing it when I left his community in 2015 and I published it in 2018. So I was like, went through lots of different iterations. I knew I had to get it right because I was just like, fuck, man, this is, I need, it was important for me. I didn't, I, the second three day intensive I went to with him, I actually, I met, I ran into a guy from the pickup world who I didn't really know. I didn't know him. I had never met him, but he knew some people that I knew. His name's Sasha. Actually, I think his name's Alex, but he goes by Sasha Daygame, which is oh a strange God, last name. Oh my God, you know Sasha Daygame? <laughs> I, met, I met him. So we, be, we became like friends that weekend. I haven't talked to him since, but he it was like, these intensives are tiny. There's 12 men and 12 women. So Kim and I gravitated toward each other and I just, we went out to lunch and just chatted and, and, and he's, and he, again, he's like, he's a nice guy. I, again, I think there's, especially for guys at the top of that game are, they're sociopaths in some way. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want him to date my sister, but at the same time, like he's a decent human to have lunch with. And so we went out and he said to me, he's, Hey, he's like, you can't tell anybody this, but when I signed up for this, I got an email from one of the assistants who's this guy, Steve, that was one of the assistants that weekend. And Steve said, Hey man, I used, I actually went to one of your workshops several years ago. Oh wow. You can't let anybody know that I know you or that I'm at all involved in the pickup world. Cause he kind of mm -hmm. still was, but like he didn't like if David data or Michaela, his assistant at the time had found out that this guy, Steve was like, a pickup artist or like still active in this world or used to be at least to some, to a big extent, they would have been super pissed because they are not, that's, they're trying to separate themselves from that world, of course. And so I just thought that was so funny. And so Alex or this guy, Sasha had this kind of dirt on this guy, but that it's what, it's what happens. The connection is all about gender. It's all about mm -hmm. gender expectations. It's all about, okay, if maybe a, a typical pickup artist thing is I walk into a club and I've, I've got this swagger and then I strut up to some woman and I'm like, Hey, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I pick her up because, but it's all, it's all performative masculinity and yeah. David data would, it's the same thing. It's just that you're sitting in yab yum 
position with the other Tantra lady. And then you're breathing and showing her like how you're such a rock. And oh, here I am. Like I can take your whole, I could take anything. You could yell and scream at me and then I'll, and it's, so it's all gender, it's all men and masculinity being collapsed and also masculinity being the ultimate goal of every man. That's just the assumption that's worked in there. And that's where they, that's where they overlap. It's just David Data is a more spiritual version of that, of the pickup things. It's a more sensitive version, but it still operates in the premise that men are primarily masculine, women are primarily feminine, and anything else is an aberration. Anything else is something that is something to be fixed. Anything else is actually just a, yeah, it's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I, I hear of people going on like, feminine energy cleanses and you need which is like just a a shysty way of saying stop hanging out with so many women it's and and it's the same thread that runs through things like the red pill and that side of the manosphere oh we should talk about that too (laughs) oh my god you had mentioned something earlier about how what was it you were saying something about when i was talking about we're blaming the system. We should be blaming the system instead of each other. And then I think you mentioned something like that was similar. And so I watched that movie a couple of years ago and the documentary, the yeah, Red the Pill? documentary, yeah. Documentary Red Pill. Yeah. Yeah. And I looked at, and I looked at this, the men's rights activists and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it was so interesting. And I, I don't feel like and I, nobody said this. I feel like I'm the only one saying this, but the intelligent guys in that community, which some of them are just like women hating whatever, but like, the people that were actually breaking it down, they were t- they just weren't using the word patriarchy, but they were saying the same damn thing as the feminists. Mm-hmm. They were literally on the same fucking team because feminists are saying, hey, look at this. It's not fair. Like patriarchy does this, gender is fucked up. So women make, you know, 70 cents to a man and have a and, and then the men are going they're just like systems fucked up. And like when, you know, there's a custody battle, like men get fucked over they're saying the same thing because and i'm like why are these people at odds with each other like i get it and i wish that it wasn't the case and and so, yeah i i feel like the men's rights activists like i don't hate them at all like i think that they're making i just wish somebody would like do a proper mediation between them and then the feminist community to be like you guys are talking about the same thing and i get that patriarchy is a word that we've that is a hard word to use today because we don't like it so let's just talk about it let's use something else but we're both saying like gender expectations are bullshit <laughs> that's we're almost we're saying the same thing we're just saying well, that so here- it affects men in this way and women in this way but here's the thing about MRAs, because these guys always show up to comment on my stuff, so I'm used to talking to them quite a yeah. bit. And there's there's two strands. There are some of the men's rights activists who really do care quite deeply about these issues, like male suicide, which is an issue that I really deeply care about, too. Mm-hmm. And there are some where they're looking for constructive solutions to this and they're wanting support and to raise awareness and to get momentum behind some of these initiatives. But then you've got other folks where it just descends into women hating or women blaming, or why aren't women fixing this problem? It's, and oftentimes like the the MRAs where I'm like, you're full of shit. 
is when they crop up in spaces where maybe, I don't know, like a great example is International Women's Day. And then they're like, what about International Men's Day? And I'm like, it's November 19th and that this has been celebrated for years. And there's usually a theme each year. And it sure. centers around highlighting and celebrating men and raising awareness around men's issues, like where it's used very much as a deflection tactic. Hey, or a whataboutism or you don't care about men. And it's you don't either. And that well, makes so, me mad. So check this out. I'm, I share the feelings of grossness around that community. So I get that. And I also mm-hmm. am coming from a place where I could walk into a separatist feminism convention and feel very at home. So I I do really like, I say this, I say that because I really believe that the MRA community and the feminist community are just opposites of each other because the same thing could be said about that. And I'm using the word feminist community because it's whatever, that's the best word I have, but there are plenty of women doing the exact same thing on the opposite side. And there are plenty. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that if you're finding like men trolling the internet, you're probably not getting the best of that community. And because (laughs) you're an intelligent woman who has studied this stuff, you are getting some of the best of the feminist community. You're not probably going through the Jezebel articles and seeing all these like men hating feminists because why would you or I hang out with those people? We're like, fuck those people. We're ta- we're like reading bell hooks and like going through like intelligent stuff. And so I'm a big believer that like there, it's just two sides of the aisle. And that's just. I've always felt that a bit more with like pickup artists and feminists, not so much pickup artists in terms of the leaders, but a lot of people in the PUA community, I've always seen as these would make incredibly natural allies with feminists. Like, well, that's, so that, that. what's interesting about the, that is there is there's a there's a fundamental philosophical difference that MRAs and feminists do share or don't share. So the difference, the pickup artists are I, I they're very into this world of polarity, masculine, feminine or like the collapse of masculinity and men, femininity and women. They're still into that in the same way that a lot of tantra people are into that the men's rights activists what they have going for them, which I think makes them closer to feminism than the pickup artists, is that they've questioned that system. Again, not all of them. Some of them are idiots, whatever. But like the intelligent ones have been like, hey, guys, look at this system. The system is broken. The system that ascribes certain traits and ways of being is a, as like a black and white issue that oh, men can't raise children, so they can't be trusted or whatever. This system is broken. And maybe we should decouple these things. They are saying that again, not all of them. And, but like pickup artists are still in the world of my, I just think I need to be more masculine to be loved and all this kind of stuff. So that's why I say that about the MRAs. I guess though, what I am thinking about people who come into pickup. So like the kind of people that are my clients, for example, pickup is a gateway drug to the wider manosphere as far as I see it. And depending on which strands you follow and which paths you wind up going down, because it, and especially if a lot of this is taking place online, because you made the point that you don't always find the best of the best online and you often find folks that don't feel any need to temper what they're saying on the Internet because of anonymity. I spend most of my time on Reddit 
And mm-hmm. that's a site where there still is, by and large, a preservation of anonymity. Right. And Su- pseudonymity, I think they call yeah. it, actually. Yeah. Our pseudonymity. I like yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> the men's rights spaces. And I still go and participate there sometimes. Oh, participate in those discussions. I think that is, I think just that's worthy of just praise. I, I, I really, we live in such, people are not willing to go to those spaces. Like the fact that you, that is not like, that's not where you would naturally hang out. Like just good on you for doing that. I, I love it. <laughs> the thing is like, Fundamentally, right? Men and women are people. And if you look at the actual science, there's always more variability within genders than between them. And I think what you've said points to the fact that on a lot of fronts, we are like furiously agreeing with each other Uh and that there's a lot of common bullshit that people are dealing with. And so the way I often put it to my clients is that the game is rigged and everybody loses So why don't we just do something else instead? Right. And at the same time, I I get the frustration that I hear from people that, well, but lots and lots of other people are still playing this game. And it's, yes, that's true. And you can either choose to do that where you're going to lose just the question is by what degree, or you can do something that's more authentic to you and find a different way. And I, I think that's part of where the ultimate change that we're all desperate for and nobody knows what to do. I think it starts with that. I think it starts with making that decision that I'm going to go about this another way. And that's not to say that we're not affected by social structures or that we might not come into contact with like legal structures that give us problems or that we're going to be able to single-handedly solve some of these really serious issues overnight. But that simple thing of being like, what? Actually, what I really desire is a relationship where I can speak openly about wanting sex and where I can trust my partner to say no when she's not interested. Totally. And where I can do this my way. I think there's a lot of power in that. Of course. For sure. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Because, and (laughs) and when I just, I don't, I could sell that proposition to anybody. Who the fuck doesn't want that? You know what I'm saying? And I think that we, that is the, that's the opportunity is that we can actually, we can enroll just about anybody in saying like this system is broken. What you read the script, you're going to get a very mediocre love life and why not look at something else? And again, if you want to call it patriarchy, fine, whatever you want to call this system, it sucks. Let's not do it. Yeah. I just think everybody's on board with that. Bernie people and Trump people are saying the same thing. They're just like, you know what sucks? This system. Yeah, great. It does. Let's not do it anymore. (laughs) There's definitely points of agreement. And then there's also like fundamental points of disagreement too. But I think those are, I don't (laughs) know, give an example of that, let's say, because I think I can, I think I could I think I could, I don't know if we want to, maybe this is like a rabbit hole we don't want to go down, but I, I actually don't, I don't think like there may be things they disagree on, but it's, they're not the fundamental things. If they disagree, it's because they're too surfacey. That's my belief. If we're, well, are we talking about politics? Oh, no, no. Uh, let's talk about like, like MRA versus <laughs> in feminist communities. Let's not, we won't go into politics, but there's, I think that there's, if the, if there's a disagreement in, in that world, 
it's because it's on the surface. And I don't think, I think the deeper issues we absolutely agree on. Yeah. Where I get stuck both in like politics and then also in discussions about like feminism and men's rights activism, like to, to use an example from feminism, the trans exclusionary radical feminists, it's like, if you deny somebody's personhood, I'm done with whatever else <laughs> comes next. I, I feel like dignity is the fundamental thing. Like it is the first thing always. Can you see and recognize the humanity in others? Even if, if the way folks approach that is flawed, maybe coming from this very polarized, like you mentioned before, worldview with pickup artists or within Tantra. But even in those cases, it's still seeing the humanity and others. And you'd mentioned Trump people and you mentioned, and I've just mentioned trans exclusionary radical feminists. And part of my issue there is that there's a really hardcore element of dehumanization or erasure going on. So I, I think it's possible to find common ground, except in those cases. And that's where maybe the ugly side of MRA comes up. Or when we start talking about things like incel, where mm -hmm. it's not even women anymore, it's femoids and almost like an alien species or something subhuman or not human, just right. it, which I see is very similar to the way that trans exclusionary radical feminists talk about trans people. Like mm -hmm. it's some abomination, it's some other, it's some subhuman, it's going to invade our women's spaces. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, yeah. When, first of all, if you go to the extremes of any of these communities, you're going to see poor examples of the application of their fundamental philosophy. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. To stay on this track a little bit and, and maybe weave it in something that we were talking about before, like, I, there's a piece that I wrote that, I don't think we'll get a ton of attention, but it was it's, it's important for me. And it's actually, I, I've been saying this for years and I just decided to put it into a essay and, and it actually has a little MRA flavor to it. But so I was, it was interesting. So it's called, you don't owe me your body and I don't owe you my heart. I just read that. So this is something that I feel like I can say to, to women essentially a lot because I understand the first piece. I understand that we live in a culture where men and just culture in general feels entitled to women's bodies. And mm -hmm. I think what, where, what we are starting, just starting to come to understand is that there is a similar entitlement when it comes to men's, let's just call it inner emotional world, or even there's a little way to slide in the idea of commitment in there too. And so mm -hmm. I, again, I, I think solidarity is the word that keeps coming up for me. I really want, I want the women who care so much about uh, removing the sense of entitlement from women's bodies. I want them to see that we, that the same thing is happening and that we can, we're all getting fucked by this system together. It's not the same ways. And I'm not even saying it's equal because I get that invading someone's body is different than invading their emotional space. But there's a way that like, it's all related. And, and if we can understand what somebody else is going through our own experience versus 
hearing them talk about it, it's going to be much more powerful. So I, the way that I, for example, as a guy who represents a classic guy in that way, the way like I open up really slowly to people in my heart space, mm. but I will bang just about anybody as long as it's a good idea and I'm attracted to them. So I open my sex quickly. Now, I, again, I also, there's other considerations about why I might not open quickly, but if everything's a go, great, I'll just, and I'm attracted to them, I can have sex with them. But letting them into my inner world, into my vulnerabilities, into letting them deep in there, into what I call my heart, that takes a lot of time and it's very reserved for only like a handful of people. And it's so when I meet a woman who maybe someone would call not very sexually open and needs time and all that stuff and has a lot of needs and needs a lot of safety and some of those needs for safety already makes sense to me. Like I can, I get it. Like I get it because I understand the effect of that kind of general cultural trauma on me in my heart space. And I just, I wish we could, I wish we could see what each other is going through that lens because it's, it's been incredibly powerful for me in empathizing with women. And I really see like when I talk to women about this and they get it and they're, oh shit. So me pressuring my boyfriend into commitment is like him pressuring me into sex. Yeah. Oh, it's really powerful when women understand the ways that, that they're beating up men that wouldn't feel good if men were doing that to them. It's really interesting, both when I was reading what you wrote and listening to you speak here, it's men and women both experience violence and the sight of those violent, like where that violence is different. Like guys get the shit beat out of them if they cry or show emotion when they're young. Right. A lot of the time. A lot. And similarly, women can experience, and very many of us do, sexual violence in some form or another. And coming to the point where maybe you you trust somebody and you decide, okay, I'm going to get naked here. And then things go in a way that you don't want them to. And you suddenly realize like, shit, I am with somebody who can physically overpower me. Mm-hmm. And this is dangerous. It's, it, it's same, but different. Totally. In- exactly. Same, but different. Right. Yeah. There's that quote that men are afraid women are going to laugh at them and women are afraid men are going to kill them. And that's, it is, it's real. That's not the same. And yeah. Yeah, I we've wandered. We've taken quite a meander here. And Dave, there's still so much I want to talk to you about, but I'm also aware of time. I'm just wondering, would you like to come back and talk with us again here on sexual craftsmanship? Sure. Yeah, no, I, I had a sense that there was going to be a lot of stuff here that we were going to want to dive into. Even just one of the questions, any one of those questions could have been an hour long conversation. And, it's, and, it, and I really want to emphasize again, like I just, I love that you're actually going to these places on Reddit or whatever, or talking to these guys and actually trying to understand this. It is absolutely rare, unfortunately. And I've done the same thing and this is why I can see it, but it's like, that's, it's awesome. It's awesome that we can have these discussions and talk about these things without it feeling like, oh, wait, are we not, we're taking sides here. Oh, we can't talk about the benefits of the pickup artist community because they're a bunch of assholes. Like it really is so important that we can have nuanced conversations about all these approaches and philosophies 
because there's something in it to be learned. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I don't know, because to a certain extent, I guess like my takeaway, which is not where I thought we were going to wind up, but that's also all right, is that to a certain extent, it's really not that hard. <laughs> it's really not that hard to to see the similarities once you have a gateway in, right? Once your brain recognizes a pattern. And it's also not that hard to understand another person's position. Like the example that you gave, and that essay is excellent for highlighting the similar underlying tension between you don't owe me your body, I don't owe you my heart. That I, I don't think it's that hard to understand. And I know by and large, a lot of people act as if they don't, but I think that's more because it's unconscious in a lot of ways. We've been told from multiple sources that this is just natural and this is how things are. And the, the system that you pointed to wants there to be this conflict because were we all to realize that we're way more similar than we are different, then it would upset the entire power structure. Well, that's why it's so hard because it would upset the entire power structure. Like I, I've shown, I've, I've, when I first watched that red pill movie, I then went and sat down with a few feminist friends and said, Hey, you want to watch this with me and talk about how it's similar to feminism? And they were like, absolutely fucking not. Those guys are assholes. I don't want anything to do with that. And I, and I actually really struggled trying to get people to listen to me around that topic. And it's a great example is I, uh, there's this flat earth documentary that's hilarious and awesome called Behind the Curve. I think I've this watched one? it. So yeah. there's that beautiful moment in it where they follow around the kind of one of the main guys in their community and he's, he's whatever, he's doing his thing. And he just says casually to the interviewer, he's, he's, I couldn't stop this even if I tried. He basically admits that even if the world, even if he found out the world was round, he's in it to win it at this point. Like he gets so much, he gets so much nourishment and so many of his needs met from this community, which to be in the community means you have to believe the earth is flat. Like he can't leave. It is not an option. And he had the self-awareness and like the honesty to just admit that slightly in the documentary. And I mm. think that's where we all are. That's why I, I actually disagree with you in saying that it's easy. It It is the fucking hardest thing in the world because it goes against all that. It's There's so many forces wanting to keep us the same keep, so we can keep getting our needs met by the communities that will exile us if we don't, if we don't do these things. And so it's, I don't know, I, I think we could, that's a whole other discussion about what it takes to actually have an open mind. So you're not so tied to these philosophical beliefs that, you know, but it's, it's super fucking hard because it would upset the power structure. Yeah. In terms of leaving once you're deeply embedded in a community, that's hard. So there's this softer power that's exacted on us, which is playing out these scripts and staying within the parameters that we've been shown and never questioning them. And that I think it's that I think it's not that hard to start seeing once you've got a way to see that maybe things aren't exactly as you've been led to believe. The the leaving a community once you become embedded in it, 
that is a whole other process entirely. And it really varies from community to community. But like the big thing is having somewhere to land. And that maybe looping back around to where we started is something that occurred to me when I was looking at pickup artists Mm -hmm. is that if you're deciding that, hey, this maybe really isn't me anymore, but these guys are my friends and these are the people that I hang out with and I feel like I belong here where am I going to land next? And that you've been creating or that you created the mission, this like hybrid men's circle, you gave folks somewhere to land. And more and more, this is where I'm particularly hopeful at the moment, that there is becoming this increased attention on men as men, rather than as default human or rather than as default power holder, but asking these questions about what uniquely are the struggles that men face as men as a result of their gender identity and how can we start to address some of these changes for example the american psychological association coming up with a set of guidelines on working with men as men and the growth of men's circles and the resurgence of the men's liberation movement which i think that is very much allied with feminism and is where for example a lot of men's rights activists could land if they knew that it was there. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what I aim to do through my work as well, that this is another place where you can land that provides an alternative. And the thing is, right, when it comes to providing alternatives, the way that I see it is that you're only ever going to win if what you offer is better. It's it's like vaping and smoking, right? Like it's part of why it's so effective because vaping's just better. It's like objectively better than yeah. smoking tobacco. Yeah. So if we can start to create the world that's objectively better than the bullshit we're all dealing with, that's part of how change is going to happen. Yeah, and most and and a lot of people, the mistake they make when they're trying to offer men a different path is they're they're layering their values onto men. And so why it's so important of what you're doing and to understanding men is that like you have to understand men's needs and and you have to know what they need and what they want and not just say, I think this is what you should want and this is why you should stop doing that because like it's and and I can sell that to them. Like I get it. I at this point, my love life is just beyond the wildest imagination of most guys. Like they they have no idea. I and I whatever it is that they think is awesome about love and sex and relationships, I can show them. Like, hey, I've done that, and I did it with everybody around me being like cheering me on when the mm-hmm. people that I sleep with, like. Actually, I guess I describe my love life as I have sex with my friends. Like these aren't like random hookups in in bars. Like these are actually people that like we care about each other and that. And there's just so I think that it's important because a lot of women, let's say, will want men to change, but they don't acknowledge that. Yeah, like men just have certain needs that you might not like it, but they do, and you have to help them. That's where pickup comes in and says. We're not afraid to say that men need to get laid. We're going to help them get laid. What are you going to do? Help them be nicer? And so it's you as in the feminist world sometimes. And it's so starting from that place of, yeah, like 
we, we have to accept where what it is like to be a man sometimes. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, I'm wondering, could you tell my listeners if they'd like to know a little bit more about you, where they can find you and what have you got coming up? Mostly, I think just the home for the essays is the place to go, especially as it relates to this discussion. And that is Buddhism.com, B-O-D-A-I-S-M. And uh, in terms of stuff coming up, not much. Still in quarantine <laughs> world. Yeah. But yeah, like they can read some essays and, and also feel free to reach out. I love talking about this stuff, as you can tell. And it's important to be able to support men because it's a unique place that I've landed for whatever reason that I can talk about this stuff through because of all the stuff I've done in my life. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And let's hear more about that. We'll talk. Let's set up another time and and go a bit deeper because we've only really just scratched the surface. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dave. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. If you want to jump right into the sexual craftsmanship process, head on over to sexualcraftsmanship.com backslash friendzone and download your free guide to avoiding the friend zone for good, including five exact scripts you can use today. 